Welcome to Media Tribe. I'm Shauna Kinnear and this is the podcast that tells the story behind the story. It's an opportunity for you and I to step into the shoes of the most extraordinary media folk who cover the issues that matter most. And we are just trying to capture that dream of the revolution. Now it's been nine years since it started. We lost so many things. We lost our country, but at the same time, we still have hope that what we are doing is the right thing. This week's guest is Oscar-nominated, BAFTA and Emmy Award-winning Syrian director Wayad Al-Khatib. Wayad is best known for her feature film, For Sama, where over the course of five years, she documented her and her family's life in Aleppo. Wayad, lovely to see you. Thank you. Lovely to see you again. Yes, I think it was about this time last year we were both very sweaty outside um, a, new, yeah. <laughs> a New York cinema where um, you had done a screening of, of For Sama. And I remember I was heavily pregnant and you were so lovely and came over to me to ask me if I was OK having just watch, watched your extraordinary and Oscar nominated film. Yeah, I was pregnant when I did the film. I mean, and then while the film was showing out, I was very worried about every other woman who is pregnant. <laughs> and like sometimes when I telling like anyone, and I think we had that conversation that day that, I mean, are you okay to watch it? And then you looked at me and like, you were pregnant too. I was like, yeah, but I don't know why I'm, I'm more worried about other people. <laughs> Wad, do you want to to kind of kickstart the conversation and tell our audience how you became such a renowned and lauded and and genuinely probably one of the most um, well-respected female filmmakers of our time? So thank you for telling this first. Um, I mean, I started uh, my journey in journalism in 2011 when the Syrian revolution started and at that time, I had no idea that this is the journey to be a journalist. I was just trying to record everything was happening, take videos, photos, sometimes just sound to what was happening at Aleppo University. Uh, we, we joined the protest and we were very proud that we are doing that. But at the same time, we saw that everything around was give us the feeling that we are ignored and the regime was denying everything was happening. You can see how the security forces came to the university to beat people, to uh, sometimes like sh- shot uh, like students just because they were protesting. And it was just our responsibility to save what was happening. Um, and then uh, with the time, I start to uh, know more how to film and I start to like take more videos. And I really like gradually after five years, I became like, um, a stringer to one uh, international uh, channel, uh, which is Channel 4 News here in the UK. Um, and um, I was just trying to uh, make our voice being out because we were besieged in a city where everything around is collapsing. And the only way for me to keep going and feel that I'm live, still alive, that I'm recording and I'm doing something important. Extraordinary word. And, and you didn't go to Aleppo back in 2011 to study filmmaking. You were going to study marketing and economics. Is that right? Yeah, I was at the, at the fourth year. But then I stopped and I started like filming. I'm, I'm sure our audience know this, but back in, in 2011, it, it, it was peaceful protests. It was a revolution. It was a time full of hope. Um, and I'm sure you never imagined that you would stay on for, for five more years and, 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 you know, experience the shelling, the barrel bombs, the cluster bombs as you did. 
do, do you want to tell our audience, uh, you know, a bit about your real life while you were there? Yeah, I mean, when when the Syrian revolution started, it was not a very big question, you know, like it was very conf- not not confusing at all to know where which side do you want to be. And it was very clear that, you know, like this protest is, is leading for a better country, for democracy, for freedom. And that's where we should take a place. And it's not just like, uh, you know, like for us to uh, stay aside and watch what happened and then like do this. It was our only uh, opportunity to do something and to change our life for better. Before this, actually, I was planning to go outside of Syria and to graduate and then go to Germany. And uh, just like, to, to, for more like explanation, like most of my colleagues and my friends at the university had the same uh, like dream. Even Hamza, who I didn't know at that time, he was planning also to go to Germany and he was doing like uh, language courses. So, like for us as Syrians, we've never felt that we be we 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 are be, we belong to 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 Syria or we feel any like contact between us and and Syria as a country. And when the Syrian revolution started, it was the first time when we felt that, no, like this is our country, we have a stake in this, we can, we are able to do something. And, you know, like that hope, like give us everything we've done even before and even after. And just like the feeling that, you know, you are uh, alongside with thousands of people who are chanting for something Maybe you don't know, but you wanted, like we didn't know what freedom means. We were watching that, just that through like the TV or to, to look at your country to so many other countries, but we've never known really what was happening, but we knew that that's what's missing in, in ours. And just with the time and with everything happened later, we knew that there's so much difficult and so much risk in all of these things. But we knew at the same time there's there is no return to what we had before. Wow! And and where at that time you were were you nineteen or twenty? I mean, you were very very young. Yeah, I was twenty one. It's hard to remember that because you know you you are very young, but you have a very wise head on your shoulders as well. And um, my next question, Wad, is, and it's a question I ask all of my guests, and it's whether you as a as a filmmaker can pinpoint a moment where you had impact. And I'm very much hoping you tell me, um, you tell me and our audience all about Forasama and what Forasama is and what it means. I mean, it's, it's very moving for me even today, because um, when we were working on the film, uh, me and my co-director Edward Watts, uh, we just started right after I uh, lost Aleppo and lost every hope I had. And I know that I have like some impact for moments before when I start working with Channel 4 News and my reports start to be very wide world. And when I saw, like, saw how many people seen these reports, but I know at the same time that the real impact I wanted is not how much people will see this, but it's really if we can change that situation. And because after everything people saw, nothing changed and we forced to flee out and we saw what you saw in the film at the end. It was just like very hard moments. And for me, I believed, I thought, you know, like that, what I'm doing now, it's just something to look back at my story, to tell, uh, to save that story and save this history and not make our story being told with the enemy, with the regime, with the Russian propaganda, but with our hands, with our eyes, with our lenses. And for this, I thought that I 
there's a very big responsibility for me to do the film. I'm not expecting anything out of this. I don't expect that any people will come to watch like this film, but I wanted just to make it. Through two years of working on the film, so many people told us the same exactly. Like, don't expect that anyone will come to watch another Syrian film. And even me and Edward in one in one place or another, we felt that, yeah, maybe they are right. So we need just like to focus on the film itself and make it justice to this material, but not expect any impact out of that. And I remember really the first time I sat alongside with audience, it was at South by Southwest in uh, uh, Texas. Me and so many other of our team, we were just all together and we were waiting to know how many people will leave before the film will be finished. And like for maybe the first half an hour, it was silent. And I was just like, really, I mean, terrifying, you know, how people will react to this. And when no one left until the film was finished, and then even when we get out to the uh, on the stage, we had standing ovation, people were like sitting the whole for the whole Q&A. And... I mean, there was something, you know, like where I was so terrifying. I couldn't believe that people really connected with the film to this point. And I mean, literally after, in every other screening, even like maybe a year after this, I still have that feeling that maybe people now will not love it or will feel like so bad that they they will not be connected to the film or they will not understand. But I was really like wrong. And that's the impact that the film done I mean, the most important things for me was uh, when people come to us and ask us, what can we do? And I think really this question, which I really had at every screening, I feel that I've done my job when I did this. And this is the most impactful like moment for me when people come to ask me, what can we do? And that's so important because I feel that people are not just like they are moved by the film, but also they feel some responsibility. They share with us this hope and this like disappointing and this moments when they feel like, yeah, we want to do something for these people. It's not just a film to watch. Wow. Well, you couldn't have been more wrong, Wad, in terms of how people would react. I think, I mean, you really did yourself and Edward Watts, um, your co-director, stole hearts and minds all around the world. And for anybody who hasn't seen For Sama, for whatever reason that is, it's a 90-minute film that was condensed out of 500 hours of footage, I believe, um, that, that you filmed, Wad, in Aleppo, over the course of five years. And it's been described as a love letter to your daughter, Sama, who you gave birth to in Aleppo, in a very, I mean, the toughest of war zones. Do you want to tell our audience a little bit, a little bit about Sama, your, your beautiful daughter? And then, of course, Hamza, uh, the other kind of narrative line um, where, where you fell in love with your friend. And um, now your husband, Hamza, got married in Aleppo. Um, and Hamza is, of course, an amazing doctor um, who was working in the only hospital left standing because the regime had bombed and and burned out every other hospital in Aleppo. Yeah, so I met Hamza uh, in the protests first at Aleppo University and with the time we became friends, we were like working together in uh, coordinating for the protests and do some uh, work related to the peaceful protests. And then with the time um, we met again like um, a year later or something in, in the front line when he was a doctor there 
that was coming to to film and then we started that like uh, amazing relationship with him and so much so so many other people at the hospital and then i lived there uh, i lived there with them and with the time there was something really became more um, like close and more clear that there is something not just like friends and um, i mean hamza for everyone who saw the film you can see how he's very like i mean amazing guy i i can't not say that, that because i really still love in love with him until today so much so he's very smiley guy he's all the time like positive and everything he's thinking of is very um um like i mean gentle and um strong guy and also take so much responsibility um over what he even can carry and it was for me like something i i thought a lot about before i took that took that decision because whatever you have in your mind but when when you when there is a relationship where we are getting married when we have a child this is totally like different uh experience and especially that you are in a place where you can't protect yourself to protect other people so this will be more responsibility for both of us to try to protect this little family and this little life which we are trying to create in that position but with two um crazy people like me and Hamza <laughs> it was something you know like we were just trying to enjoy every minute uh trying to ignore all the death around us and like i'm glad that we did this because at the end everything was quite fine with us as a small family of course we lost like so many people around us and it was it could be at any second any one of us but at the end like you can see in the film what happened and how things were very uh i mean weird and unique at the same time today we live in london with sama who was one year old one year old when we left syria and we are just trying to survive all that memories and all that uh, feeling with guilt about being out and not being in anymore and also trying to capture that dream of the revolution uh, now it's been 9 years since it started we lost so many things we lost our country but at the same time we still have hope that what we are doing is the right thing and for me now to, to keep telling the story for hamza to find his way to work with doctors and hospitals inside syria and to even do something personal to ourselves hoping that one day we'll be back to syria i think that's the only thing how we still managing to survive this moments I know you've been asked this so many times but you know how did you make that decision as a mum um you know ha- having that you know deep love for your baby you know how did you reconcile that with with staying on in a war zone where you knew you were all in in so much danger because obviously you were living in the hospital as well So I think like because we lived through the first two years of the revolution it was very peaceful and we were kind of part of that movement we knew that i mean of course always there's an option for you to leave and there's a choice for you if you want to stay or not but for us both we were like so much in it to the point that even when we got married we had that very serious conversation both because we saw so many other couples around us um in that position like we 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 were seriously have that conversation about like we both telling each other like look if you felt at any second like we you want to leave 
I mean, you can go, but I'm not going with you. And Hamza was telling me exactly the same. So we were fine. Like, you, you don't know how these things could change. And the only thing that we both believe that we want to stay here forever. And I think that's why it was very strongly like feeling between both of us. And if any of us like felt at any second, like we are tired, we don't want to continue here at any at any second, we, we should not like force the other to, to go out. And like, I mean, I don't know, like we both were sharing the same vision of how it's very important for us to stay. And when we left, it was it wasn't even our choice to leave. And that's what gave us like kind of feeling now that, I mean, we did everything we we could have been done before. And what what happened is happened. But at the same time, there is so much hope that even if we lost everything, even today, even after like more years when nothing will could change in Syria, but we know that the right thing we've done when the revolution started and the right thing we've done when we were in Aleppo. And we are not just like two people who want to live there, but I'm a journalist, he's a doctor. We have so much responsibility. We have so much work to do. And maybe we, we can't change the whole situation, but we were able to do small things where it makes impact for the people who are living in that situation, for us as people, and I think for the whole history for forever. Absolutely, Wad. And I think it's obviously really important to mention Action for Sama, which everybody should go and follow on Twitter and follow the work that you're trying to do since releasing the film. So it's essentially, I mean, you're tr- essentially trying to push for accountability for war crimes under the Assad regime. And, you know, I, I guess Syria has kind of fallen out of the news at the moment. So, so everybody, you know, needs to use their voice if they can follow your work and 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 help amplify your voice as well, Wad. Um, I'd love to ask you. There's a scene w- with the with the mum, the mum who's nine months pregnant, comes in with the baby, and things don't look so good. That was certainly the moment that you know I, I felt it definitely tipped me over the edge. It was so desperately terrifying and sad. Do you kind of want to tell our audience um, a little bit about that because you were there uh, behind your viewfinder? Yeah, I mean that day was just like I don't know how to explain this. I just gave birth to Sama in the same room like three months before that thing happened. I was in the ER as normal day and we heard that, I mean, there's bombing around and then injured start to injured people start to come to the hospital. And I remember how I saw like this pregnant woman carried by people to get down to the operation room. And I just followed her. And yeah, I mean, I was in the ER, uh, in the, sorry, in the operation room when that. Uh, when the baby was out and you can see uh, as you see in the film it's just totally blue and you can't see any like signs that this baby could be alive or something i was filming the baby and focusing on this baby he he didn't be alive yet you know he doesn't like if all of us deserve to be killed in the regime opinion this baby like he he's not even like alive yet and this is just like a crime more than any other crime. And I was thinking that this is very important to be out. This is just a baby, you know, like like he was alive when he was dead. You know, I mean, it's so so confusing and so hard. And I thought that, you know, like this is very important to be documented and to be out to the people to see this. And at the same time, like as a mom, and I just said this, like I was, I gave birth to someone at the same room exactly. So I was just 
what if that was me and it could be me and so much things coming to my mind but I was like every couple of seconds I wanted just to turn the camera off and run out and I there was something in my mind and in my heart telling me like what I'm feeling now it's very important but I should ignore this feeling and just focusing of the importance of making these pictures out and suddenly like I've seen what you've seen all and I was behind the camera that second and then I looked like behind the camera to, to the front to see in my own eyes like and it was real and I was like really looking around and I can't believe until today you know, when he opens his eyes like not just like as any normal child when when they open it just I mean it gave us so much hope for the whole of our life for me at that moment is enough in anything I will go, go through in my life when I will remember this one like everything will be fine. That, that it's, it's just it's such an amazing moment in the film and I guess that little that wee baby um is is just such a symbol of resilience and, and defiance it's such a beautiful moment as it is heartbreaking but you've you've so many of those moments Wad, in your film and also there's such a poignant line that it, it really gets me every time and it's in the trailer as well where you say you know you're not like normal babies because you don't cry yeah. when you when you feel those types of emotions as a mum how did that make you feel I mean I'm sure you know this as a mom. We have so much moments when we feel like upside down in, in like three seconds. And yeah, I mean, in that situation, that was more and more often happening because everything like in one second, you feel like hope. In another second, you feel like there's no hope at all. And I don't know really how I managed to survive all of these things. But I think having Sema herself was something um, managing this and having Hamza, Hamza on the other side was something else. Being a woman in that situation, seeing other uh, women and friends who I was taking so much strength from, like Afra and their, her kids. Also, like being a filmmaker and having the camera and having that reason to, being the, to be there and to do everything I've done. I think all of these things together, they were becoming like more... I mean, clear why we were there, how important is it? And I think like any mom, we have so much things we can do. I mean, miracle things together at the same time. And I think just being a mom, that was something maybe make me weak in, in some places, but I'm sure it make me more strength, stronger in so many other places. Exactly. And and so well put, Wayad. And also, you know, it's just really worth kind of pointing out the obvious that what you did is so different to any other filmmaker, really, who, who's covered Syria or international correspondent who's covered Syria, because, you know, it, you weren't dipping in and out of a location. You know, you were on home turf, you know, documenting where you lived, which is such a harder thing for anybody to do. And there's so much more risks involved. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so glad that that was recognized in the gazillion award that you've won now at this point. My, my, my last question, I'm kind of dying to know your answer, actually. Um, but is there a crazy moment since becoming um, a fabulous filmmaker that you can tell our audience a little bit about that we don't know about, that never made the Four Sama cut or never made any of your, your brilliant um, reports for, from Channel 4 News as well? But you've worked with Ed, so feel free to, you know, land him in it as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> If you want to involve Ed, I have a very good story about this. But um, I met Ed for the first time in London in February or Mar early March. Um, and we met in a pub with Naveen and Siobhan 
both our executive producers. I walked out from that meeting. It was the first time we talked about, like, we want to do a film. I have so much footage. And I wasn't happy at all with that meeting. I walked out from that. I called Hamza and I was kind of like upset and like angry. And I was kind of shouting even on the phone. I'm telling him uh, like, oh, Hamza, look, they brought me a child. He's very young. I don't want someone who I can help. I want someone to help me. And I remember exactly that the table was very high and I barely can see it like, neck on that table I'm, I'm very short and he's very tall but even that was my feeling after that meeting you know like there's a, maybe around 15 17 years old child who's coming to work with me and like so I was very angry and then I walked out from that meeting I went back home I told him like I will not work with this guy and literally I was just like all the time saying this kid this kid this kid and I mean Four months later or something, um, Niveen called me. She said, like, oh, so the director will come to Istanbul. Let's meet there. They were saying, yeah, okay. So I went to Istanbul. I met with Ed. I was like, wow, that's good. I'm glad that he's not that guy. And then we, were, we worked for around, like, 10 days together. We watched so many materials. We, we did, like, amazing conversations um, and my other point about that kid was like, he doesn't know anything about Syria. He doesn't like know anything even in filmmaking. So I, I don't want to work with him. And the last day before uh, we 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 leave and from Istanbul, I've talked with Ed and told him like, I'm very glad that they brought you now uh, because the guy that he was before you, he was like, I didn't like him. And he was like, they brought you another one before me. I was like, yeah, he was an idiot guy. He has a kid. He's very young. And he was like, he was very confused about what I said. But then he, he wanted to clarify exactly if Channel 4 brought another director before him. And then he was like, I mean, when did you meet him? How he looked like? I was like, I don't know. I met him in, in London. He was like very young. He's very idiot, very stupid. He doesn't know anything about Syria. And he was like, I, we met in Bob with Naveen and Chavan, and then Ed was like, what, it's me. <laughs> and I was like, no, it can't be you. And I really, I didn't believe that until I called Naveen and I asked her if Ed is the same guy we met in London. Brilliant. But then for the, for the whole like other years of working together, every time we were arguing on, or something, I was telling him like, that's not you. This is your like youngest child. <laughs> oh, that's gas. And you know what? And you, you obviously made a fantastic team, the pair of you, because For Sama really is a film that will stay with you forever. And we, we should leave it there, Wyatt. And anybody who hasn't seen For Sama, go and bloody watch it and follow you on Twitter or Instagram and also go and follow Action For Sama and start using your voice. Wyatt, thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you liked what you heard on this episode of Media Tribe, tune in next week as I'll be dropping new shows every week with all sorts of legendary folk from the industry. And if you could leave me a review and rating, that would be really appreciated. Also, get in touch on social media at Shauna on Twitter or at Shauna Kinnear on Instagram and feel free to suggest new guests. Right, that's it. Until next week, see you then. This episode is edited by Ryan Ferguson. 